another episode of The Star Sit Down. My name is Kim Davis Jr., the podcast editor of The Star, and we have a very, very special guest. He is the artist in residence at the Texas State Theater and Dance. He is the artistic director at the Black and Latino Playwright Celebration. He's appeared in over 200 works from theater to film, in addition to his writing credits. I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Eugene Lee. How are you doing, Mr. Lee? I'm all right, man. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Too. It's good to see you too. Um, well, I gave you that little brief introduction. Can you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, your your career and how you got started, and um, just give the audience a little bit more about yourself? Oh wow, man! You, you know, you should never ask an actor to talk about himself unless you got <laughs> nothing but time on your hands. If you know what I mean? No, man. I. I uh, you know, the brief history, the, the, the Reader's Digest condensed version of it is I came to uh, Southwest Texas State University in 1970 as a young 16-year-old freshman, and I left here with, to be, uh, headed to be a, an attorney. I was a political science major, but in the four years I was here, that changed. I became a double major, political science and theater, and I got involved in theater. Uh, I taught high school in Fort Worth, Texas. For like four years after that, I worked a bunch in Dallas doing theater, doing movies uh, as an extra in movies. I worked in the, in the first five episodes of the TV series Dallas back in the, in the mid 70s uh, as an extra, you know, because they shot those in Dallas. And uh, I, I eventually got a part. Actually, I got accepted in a lot. I got in one week in the spring of 1978. Uh, I was teaching high school in Fort Worth. And, you know, working in radio in Dallas and doing that kind of stuff. And I had applied for law school. And uh, in one week, I swear, I got, a, I got a letter of acceptance to South Texas Law School. I got a, a letter of acceptance to SMU's uh, uh, MFA program in acting in Dallas. I got a letter of acceptance into NYU in New York, New York University's MFA acting program. And I got a part in a movie. A guy named Ron Howard, who you may have heard of, a director. The very first thing that he ever directed was a TV movie called Cotton Candy, which was shot in Dallas. And he cast me in three roles, and I played a high school student. And, you know, I was a, I was a high school coach and teacher and stuff, because I was young. But uh, uh, I resigned from teaching and took, what, six weeks to shoot that movie. And then I packed everything I had and moved to Los Angeles. And... I got, and that's when things jumped off. That's when I said, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. And uh, uh, God, I worked in some TV shows called The White Shadow and, 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 and Good Times. You may remember some of those. And, and from there, the following year, I went to New York and did a bunch of work in New York. I worked on The Guiding Light for a couple of years, and, but I also got involved with the Negro Ensemble Company in New York and Crossroads Theater Company in New Jersey and got involved in black theater. And that's been a lion's share of a lot of my work. I, got, I worked with August Wilson, if you know that name, and involved in a number of his plays. Um, and, and movies, you know, I guess the last thing I did, uh, I did a play on Broadway with Kerry Washington and, and Jeremy Jordan and Stephen Pasquale called American Son, which is now a Netflix movie, as a matter of fact. If you ain't got nothing to do, I insist that you go check it out. It's called American Sun, and uh, it's a really important film. We were nominated for an Emmy this past year. We didn't win, but it's a, it's a really important, great film. And, you know, I, I, this COVID shut everything down <laughs> since then. So uh, I'm just sitting here twiddling my fingers, working in my garden, trying to, trying to 
So I hope we get back to work real soon. <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel you. It's been tough uh, making that transition to like digital. And unfortunately, you know, I'd love to have you like in a studio and talk to you face to face, but you know, hopefully we'll get to, we'll get to where we need to be. Um, it's been a year we're making some strides. So uh, all we can do is really hope, but I wanted to dive a little bit more. It was very fascinating to me how you got started in acting and you've said it numerous times yourself, you know, somebody told you you were good at it and you just kept on doing it. And from what I understand, and you please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, you were part of the integration of your high school, correct? Yeah, we were the first ones in there, man, 1967. Pasco High School in Fort Worth, yeah. And didn't a uh, the theater director called you to play a part and you had, you had, you didn't want to do it. You're like, I don't really want to do it, but the, the director said something and it was very, it was very interesting to me, especially when considering the time she had said to you, well, either you do it or we'll cast a white boy to do it and put him in blackface. Is that what happened? Pretty much. Yeah. So how did that, so when that happened and in the start of your career, when that, when the, in that specific encounter where you just like, well, you know, I'll just, I, I really don't want that to happen. I'll give it a shot. And then from there, you know, did that was it that uh, teacher who told you that you were really good at it and that's really what got you to keep going? Yeah, she was one of the ones that definitely said that to me. Uh, in fact, the following year, because that was my junior year in high school, I guess. So my senior year in high school, I got back in her class. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's because when I got in that class, I really found some kindred spirits there, man. It was, you know, as the first black people in that school, there was shit going on if you know what I mean. It was, it was, them white people didn't want us over there, you know, and we knew that. And it took, it took, it took, it took some bravery. It took some conniving and stuff on our part. You know, we didn't go to the bathroom by ourselves. It, there were, there were, there were, there were, there were protocols that we had in place, you know, uh, to take care of ourselves and take care of each other, if you know what I mean. Cause it's mm-hmm. just a handful of us over there with all these white people. And uh, there were challenges. I'll just say it like that. And, uh, but when I got in her class, it was about to play. It wasn't about anything else, if you know what I mean. And uh, so I got back in her class again the next year and she cast me as a white character in a play, which was something else that she had never done before. So uh, yeah, we both learned something from that experience. And, and you know, I, that was the start of my interest in theater in a, in a way. I mean, I had done a play in junior high school. Yeah, uh, but I was gonna be a lawyer. You know, I, I was hell bent to be president of the United States at one point, you know, so, uh, uh, but it did work out. It did work out fine for that, for me and that drama teacher, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually was in an audition years, a few years later, man, in Los Angeles, I was in a producer's office and I had an audition with him and I sat in his office God, I sang something. I want to say, I can't remember what, what the show was, but we started talking and he realized where I was from. And what school I went to, damned if he didn't go to the same school. Damned if he didn't know that white teacher. Damned if he didn't pick up his phone and call her <laughs> and say that she, he was sitting across the table from me. And she remembered me and they talked. We talked. He put it on the speakerphone. We talked. I didn't get that job. But, but once again, you know, that's, that, 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 that white lady just kept showing up in my life, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, in an interesting kind of way. 
and 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 involving theater and involving acting and and the stuff that I'm doing. So um, yeah, that's that story in a nutshell. So and another thing you you touched on it, which is something that fascinated me as well, is you you've spoken a bit about you being really you initially went to college uh, with pre law, correct, and you minored in drama, and you really wanted to become the president of the United States. And I was curious because your father was a farmer, correct? And was that because did your father being a farmer and the times and, you know, you being uh, a big part in integration of your high school, was that why you wanted to become the president of the United States so badly? You mean directly related to my father? No, no. I mean, just like an amalgamation of those things and like integrating your high school and being, you know, from Fort Worth, Texas. And I, I was just very fascinated at you, your ambition and really wanting to push towards being the president. I want to change America, man. You know, and I grew up in Texas. You know, I saw those signs that said colored only. You know, I saw those signs that said white only. You know, and you know, and I've been stopped on my bicycle a time or two by some white guys that pushed me off, you know, get assaulted in those kinds of ways. So I, I wanted I wanted to do what I could to to be a part of that change. You know, Dr. King was killed while we were doing that play when I was in high school. Uh, John F. Kennedy was killed when I was uh, uh, in sixth grade, sixth or seventh grade, something like that. You know, so I, you know, that almost turned me off from wanting to be, be president because I figured I'd be definitely in everybody's crosshairs, if you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I did want to, I wanted to change America. I wanted to be a part of the change of America, which was one of the reasons why I tried to get the hell out of Texas as soon as I could, um, because I just felt like there was this lid on what I was able to do. You know, it was only so far I could go, if you know what I mean, in terms of rising and, and and, and uh, thriving. Um, but yeah, I wanted to change the world. Now I do it with my art. That's, that's beautiful. I think that's really what it's all about. And um, I'm happy that, you know, you, you were able to find that outlet, especially at a young age, and you never stopped. You know, you, you've spoken a bit about how, you know, you were able to just keep on doing it and how fortunate you, were, you are to have the career that you've had. And I wanted to ask you about the beginning of that career and that transition from teaching in high school to going to LA. So you were able to do the film with Ron Howard, correct? And then you uh, moved to LA and you were in LA for about a year, right? So how was that transition going from, you know, to, uh, from you know, teaching high school, just to going full on in and moving out there and trying to book gigs? Well, I saved my money, so I had a little stash if you know what I mean. I'd, I'd sent some money ahead and got an apartment. I had a fairly new car that, that was reliable. Uh, you know, there are things that you have to have as an actor. You know, I, you know, I say to actors, and somebody probably said it to me before I went out there, that, you know, uh, have some money, uh, be able to survive without working for as long as you can, because you don't know when you're going to get your first or, you know, whatever acting job. But as it turned out, my second, first, second week there, I was doing an episode of Good Times. Um, uh, but, but I went prepared, if you know what I mean. I went as prepared as I could be, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, all things considered. And, uh, but you know, you get there and within that year, I, I had backups, you know, I did, what did I do? I did three episodes of the white shadow. I did good times. Uh, oh, I did the dating game. That's right. Oh God, I forgot I did that. Uh, but you know, I had, I had, I, 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 I was knock on wood. I was fairly fortunate, you know, I, but I also was good. You know, I, 
I think that makes a difference too. Um, uh, uh, so I had some success and, uh, but I also had a backup, you know, in between gigs, I was a substitute teacher. In between gigs, I drove a beer truck for a distributing company in Los Angeles. In between gigs, I worked at an answering service, answering people's phones, you know, and taking messages and stuff for them. So survival skills, man, you know, I, I, I took those with me as well to, uh, you know, I, I had an old lady tell me once, lady I bought a used car off of years later. She said to me, keep some money coming in. Keep some money coming in because if you got money in your pocket, you feel good about yourself. You know, if you ain't got no money and your rent's late, you know, and the phone's turned off and you ain't got no gas in your car and, you, you know, that's just depressing, man. And if you take that into an audition, ain't nobody going to hire that. You know, don't nobody want to work with that. You know, but if you go in confident and feeling good about yourself, then that's the kind of stuff that gets a job for you. Uh, you know, so it's those kinds of dynamics and, 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 and survival hustle, hustler skills that, you know, they come to bear if you're an actor and you, you got to find a way to thrive. So that's what that first year was like. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, you made the transition from LA to New York and you lived in New York for 10 years, right? Yeah. Over I, a decade. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I went there to stay 10 days. Wow. To visit, to visit my family in New Jersey, who, mm -hmm. where I hadn't been, you know, since I was a little bitty thing, right? And uh, on the 10th day, I was shooting a ragu spaghetti sauce commercial up in upstate New York. So, uh, you know, and it was one of those tickets where, okay, what were those tickets? I think I paid a hundred dollars for it. I think it was, I, I won't even say it was legal or illegal or whatever, but it was, one <laughs> those, it was one of those cheap tickets, you know, those round trip with the Kennedy from LA. It was like, you know, that I could afford, but I couldn't get a refund on it, you know, to go back. But I was like, well, hell, I'm shooting a commercial. Uh, you know, I'll make some money to be able to buy another ticket back. Man, it was what, eight, 10 years before I got back to LA. Um, uh, because I ended up doing the first six months, I was in New York, I did six national commercials. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah, with my sister, you know, helping her out, you know, and, and my nephew. And, uh, and I eventually moved into New York, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then and, and gave up my apartment in LA. I had to send my cousin out there to get my stuff and stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, so that, that transition, happened, I, I, you know, God has always put me where I was supposed to be. I, you know, it's like my grandmother used to say, you, you want to make God laugh? Get a plan. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. You know, because you can think you know what you're doing. <laughs> but for all, most of my life, he's been like, oh, no, 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 bring your ass over here. <laughs> <laughs> You come do this play, you know, or come, come do this movie or come teach this class or whatever. And, you know, they've always led to something new or some new experience or some new wisdom, if you know what I mean. That actually is a great transition point to another thing that I was curious about, because you've spoken a lot about your involvement with the Negro Ensemble Company. And I had done a little bit of research prior, and I just wanted to know how you got started with them and how that really got you um, hooked on the theater scene in, in New York City. I first met Douglas Turner Ward, who recently just passed last week, as a matter of fact. I first met him when I was teaching high school in Fort Worth at Polytechnic High School. One of those, remember I said I was, a, I was accepted in the SMU's MFA acting program? Mm -hmm. But once I got accepted, uh, 
Doug came down from New York to to do a to direct a play, to direct a production of a, a play called The River Niger, which the Negro Ensemble Company had done. And because I was about to become, a, they thought I was about to become a student, a grad student at SMU, and they didn't have any black students, if you know what I mean, and they, they needed to accommodate what he was coming. They had some women and stuff, but uh, they cast me, they, they, they brought me in. And I worked with Doug, it must have been a week, 10 days or something, working on that play at SMU. And uh, I heard later that he went back to New York and told the people at the Negro Ensemble Company, yeah, I met a real actor down there in Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I never knew that until after I got there years later, because that had to be the mid-70s, 70, 77, 70, you know, when I was teaching high school. And I didn't get there to meet him until 80 or something like that when I met him, 79, 80. And... Uh, uh, did I audition for, I auditioned for a couple of things for him, but he remembered me. He, he, he remembered me from having worked with me in Texas. And uh, one of the first plays I auditioned for him for was a play called Zoo Man and the Shine. Uh, and, and an actor named uh, Giancarlo Exposito got that role. And, and Doug said to me at the time, he said, no, you're too Southern. You know, because this character, is take, that play takes place in Brooklyn or someplace like that. And they, it's, I was like, man, I, I ain't no actor for nothing. I don't have to be Southern if I don't want to be. <laughs> you know, he basically was saying, just, just chill out a little monkey. Just, I'm going to put you to work. Don't worry about it. And then he cast me to understudy Samuel L. Jackson in a touring company of, uh, of a play called Home. At the, it had just left Broadway. Sam didn't do it on Broadway. A guy named Charlie Brown did it on Broadway. Uh, and Sam was doing the, the, the Southern tour, Bus and Truck. And uh, Doug hired me to understudy Sam. And uh, I got down to North Carolina to meet them. They had already left. I walk in Sam's dressing room and he looked at me and said, yeah, man, we have my brother, welcome aboard. He said, uh, you ready? I was like, okay. I, I had never seen the play. Mm -hmm. I'd only read the play to audition for it, right? The two days before. And I walk in the dressing room and he's like, yeah, man, you ready? I said, for what? He said, cause in two weeks it's yours. I was like, what? Nobody tell me that. <laughs> and uh, it turned out that did, it didn't happen. He had a Broadway play called Innocent Black and Her Five Brothers that he was going back to Broadway to do. Um, and he was only going to, that's one of the reasons they hired me because he was going to be leaving and then I would do the bus and truck and he'd go back to the Broadway show. Well, it turns out they turned the Broadway show into a musical or something. And he said, no, I ain't doing that. So he and I stayed, I stayed as his understudy on the tour and we were, we were out on, uh, on a bus and truck, man, getting on the bus going from one holiday in to another one, you know, in, in North Carolina, South Carolina, in uh, Atlanta, in, in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and Minneapolis, just, it's just a bus and truck. It was like your basic touring company and uh, standing holiday inns. Cause I remember we were saying, hell, I got the same room. They could have just moved the room I was in before. That, that, it wasn't even funny. Uh, and that was when I, that was my introduction to the, to, to, to the Negro Ensemble Company in, in that respect. And Sam and I shared that role a lot, man. A lot of times I do the matinees and he'd do the evening show. You know, he, he'd come to my understudy rehearsals. He'd be stealing shit for me. You know? <laughs> uh, but we got really tight, you know, and, uh, we get back to New York and Doug, uh, cast us in a play called a soldier's play. Uh, with, with Denzel Washington and Brent Jennings and what, a whole slew of 12 men, 
12 men. And that play won the Pulitzer Prize. That play ran for two years uh, in New York. It was the hottest ticket in New York. Uh, it, it went on to become a movie. Not, not all the actors in the play made it to the movie, but that's a whole nother story that I ain't gonna talk about because the hair on the back of my neck stands up when I talk about it. Uh, um, and, and hell, I did every play that the Negro Ensemble Company did for the next three seasons. Wow. Or for four seasons, because, well, two of the seasons was Soldier's Play. That was, that was all they did for two seasons. And uh, after that, I did every play that they did for the next two seasons after that. And then a season is about a year, for those who don't know? Yeah, usually it's four plays or so. Okay. You know, but not a year. Usually, they usually run from, like, September to the summer. Okay, understood. Yeah, understood. And um, did you stay with the Negro Ensemble Company for your whole duration in New York and you were able to book work through them or? I mean, I worked for them. Okay. Yeah, when, I was, when I was doing those plays with them for those two seasons, yeah, I mean, we'd be rehearsing the next one while we were doing the one that we just finished rehearsing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a company. So I, I was a member of the company for those two years. Prior to that, I was with Crossroads Theater Company in New Jersey when they were brand new. Another black theater company that's just trying to make a comeback now. They were, when I joined them in 1979 or something like that, because this was before I went to NEC, uh, they were in my hometown in, in, in New Jersey. That's, that's, where they were, uh, that's where they were founded and still are. Uh, uh, yeah, I was with them. They were a CETA program. Do you remember CETA? You probably, why would you remember CETA? C-E-T-A, the Comprehensive Employment Training Act. It's a government program. That no, I'm funded, not familiar. No, you know, it's no longer in existence. But it's, uh, 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 it was a government program that funded artists. And they funded this particular theater. And uh, I was a part of their company, uh, one of the actors in their company. So I did every play they did as a part of the company for a season and a half. And after that half season came, that's when Doug called me about doing uh, that other play. So, uh, so yeah, I've been in black theater, man. I, I love working in, in, in black theater because it's, it's for us, it's about us, and it's by us. And I think that gives it some authenticity, you know, that, other, that anything that doesn't have those elements lacks. It's, uh, it's great when not just the playwright, not just the director and the actors and the stage manager, but the box office people, the ushers, the designers, you know, the, the company management, you know, the administration and staff and stuff are all people, are, are kindred spirits. Uh, it's great. It's like family, you know. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I um. And it, it makes me have a sense of pride because, you know, in doing research, I, I, I had, you know, such a very minimal understanding and I wanted to ask you about it. And it sounds like it was a place, like you said, you know, for us, by us, about us, that, you know, a bunch of talented and people who wanted to work were able to come together and make, you know, art that, you know, even non-Black people and people of color could relate to, correct? Very correct. And it's important. And that's a very important aspect of what of what the Negro Ensemble Company did in terms of teaching other people about or giving them insight into our culture, if you know what I mean, which is which is very healing in terms of, of you know, their cultural gaps that are happening and that have always been happening in the United States for whatever reason. 
and the world for that matter. But to bridge those, you gotta, there's gotta be some sharing, you know, and it's gotta be honest and truthful sharing because so much of our history has been changed, altered and, or, or whatever. And that's what I mean when I say us documenting our condition here, you know, people like August Wilson, people like Doug, people like myself, it's, it's, it's authoritative. It's, we have the authority to, to tell these stories and, and to tell them with truth and to tell them with clarity. Um, and, and, and the mainstay of all the work that Douglas Turner Ward uh, got out of us and instilled in us with the Negro Ensemble Company was, it was about excellence. You know, growing up in Texas, uh, I was always told, I come from teachers. You know, my grandmother was a teacher, my aunt was a teacher, you know, I, I, it's, it's uh, uh, but I was always told back in what I call the BI days before integration, that as a, as a black person in these United States, that I was gonna have to do 300% just to get noticed. Anything short of that was gonna be bullshit to them, right? So that's the work ethic that was beat into my behind, you know, from the time I could walk, if you know what I mean. Uh, they had me reading the Bible when I was five and stuff, you know, but it was, it was about making me that one that they were gonna send out to be a, a credit to his race, you know? Uh, that, that's who I was. I was that little cute curly haired boy over there that was smart and, uh, and uh, cause I wanted to go to the all black school and my folk, high school, my folks were like, no, you're gonna get on that bus and you're going over there. You know, so I was like, shoved on out there, but I didn't mind, you know, I, it was, I was excited about the prospect. So, uh, and then I get over there and I realize I'm smarter than most of these white folks. <laughs> Did and I'm I'm curious now that we're we're speaking about the importance of uh, black art and telling stories. So, is that a big reason why you came uh, back to your alma mater, you know, formerly Southwest Texas State, now Texas State, to become an artist in residence and um, work and contribute as the artistic director of the a Black and Latino Playwright Celebration? Yeah, they, they sort of invited me back, if you know mm, what okay. I mean. I, I, I would come back over the years. You know, I, I guess you achieve some, even a minor level of notoriety out there in the world, you know, some, some, some professional nod of approval from out there in the world. Uh, and the head of the theater department, theater department over the years would invite me back to come back and do uh, master classes, uh, master acting classes. And I would come back and share the shit that I've learned. You know, it's, it's, you know, I come from teachers and I consider myself a teacher in, in many ways. I just like to think I got a bigger classroom <laughs> if I'm doing a movie <laughs> than if I've got just a, just a, a, a classroom of, of stuff. Uh, but I, I'd always come back and then they called me and they asked me if I would, uh, if I'd be interested in, if I could, uh, or if I would come in for, uh, for Black History Month to direct one of my plays. And uh, I said, oh, uh, okay, what's your budget, you know? And he laughed. I was like, oh, you ain't got no budget. <laughs> you want me to do this for free? <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a word for, for when you work for nothing for free. It's called slavery. <laughs> 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 I said, no, 
I, I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to come down here for a month and drop everything I'm doing in Los Angeles with my work, my family and everything, you know, to come help you. I love you, but it ain't that, you know, help me out here. Meet me halfway. Uh, uh, so I said, I'll come down for a week and, and I'll, I'll direct a reading of one of my plays with some students, right? Now, when I came to school here in 1970, it was kind of like that high school I was in. There were like four of us in the drama department, I think. And there weren't more than a hundred of us or so on campus at that time, right? So, uh, uh, where was I headed with that? It was, uh, oh, now I remember. When I, so, I, and, and, so when I was in the theater department back in the 70s, it was three of us, right? I came back 20, 30 years later to direct one of my plays in a reading. There's three of them. Wasn't enough to do my play. I went off. I was like, 30 years, y'all ain't changed. <laughs> 30 years. This the, the school is 10 times the size it was. You know, the theater department is 10 times the size it was. But it's still three of us. That's it. What y'all doing? This ain't important to y'all. You know, what's what's the deal? Well, how are you recruiting? What's what's why? And I went off. I went, I I pitched a conniption. We went up to Austin and found actors that I knew. Uh, uh, went across campus to, you know, it's just four people in the damn play. You know, we had to find some, and we, we did the reading of it. It was a huge success. It's a great play. It's been done in a lot of places. And uh, I went on, back to, went on back to California. And about a week, two weeks later, the president and the chairman of the theater department called me up. Said, you made, you made us lose sleep. I said, good. <laughs> they said, are you willing to do anything to help? And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, here we go. I got to be the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, would you be willing to serve as artistic director for the Texas State Black Theater Festival? And the uh, big question that I asked was next. I said, well, what is that? And they said, whatever you want it to be, Eugene. That was enough for me. It's like, oh, okay. Even though they didn't put any money on it. But, you know, it wasn't about the money for me at the time. It was about giving back as best I could. So, um, so yeah, I did it. And they eventually made an offer for an actual job as, art, as, uh, as artists in residence. So I got the best job on campus. You know. Can you explain to people uh, more about, like, what that means in terms of being an, an artist in residence and, and your role in the department? Yeah, my basic responsibilities are I, I act in or direct a play every other year. Uh, I run the Playwrights Conference, you know, the, the Black and Latino Playwrights Celebration. The name is Celebration now, not Conference. Um, uh, and, and I write a couple of grants every year. Uh, so I've gotten like three NEA grants, NEH grant, Texas Humanities. I've, I've, done a, I've done a bunch of that kind of stuff. You know, I also, I also was... Uh, was a celebrity host for a celebrity golf tournament, golf tournament that the university used to host for many years that was responsible for, for raising, uh, we raised over, over 10, 15 years of doing that. You know, I'd bring people down like Samuel L. Jackson. I'd bring my partners down, you know, to, to play some golf, uh, to be the celebrities and other people too. And they established a over a million dollar scholarship for graduate students. Oh, know, okay. Through that, through that, uh, 
through that golf tournament. The, the Celebrity Classic is what they used. It was, it was the biggest fundraiser that the university had for years. And they eventually canceled it. Uh, and uh, that's a whole nother story that I won't go into. But, uh, you know, that just freed me up so I can go do Broadway, make more movies and stuff. Um, uh, but that was one of my responsibilities, uh, was to do that, which, was, which happened first week in May every year. Um, so yeah, I, and as artists and residents, I've been responsible for bringing money to this university on, on a couple of levels um, and, and for bringing some diversity to this university. If you know what I mean? You know, trying to, trying to add more raisins to this bowl of white rice. Uh, <laughs> uh, especially in the theater department, man. This, we're working on it. Right. <laughs> we're working on it. But it's, 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 it looks like an early snowfall up in there most of the time. <laughs> um, and what, what, I'm sorry. No, just, just, just the other thing that's important to me is, is to attack that moment of only three of us in that drama department. You know, it's like time for that to, time for that to change. It's, 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 and you know, and I think that has changed in the time that I've been here. The number of, the number of African-American students and Latino students that, that, that are in that, uh, that, that are in that theater department has grown exponentially in the, in the last 15 years or so, 17 years. So how, how, however long we've been doing this, this VLPC thing. And uh, I was gonna ask you, pardon me interrupting you uh, prior. I was just gonna ask you, how has it been working with uh, young students and especially black and Latino students and getting, re- getting able to see their growth and progression? How has that been for you? As a, as a educator. It's exciting as a teacher, or you know, it's like you 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 see you see your mentees, you see the light go off, if you know what I mean. You see them learn, you see them grow, and you see and I see myself when I was that age, if you know what I mean. That that you know, hungry, you know, hungry. Tell what do you tell me what you know, you know, <laughs> help me out here, point me in the right direction, you know, that 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 kind of stuff. It's 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 and to share the craft. Um you know, and to be able to, to, to touch, you know, cause I've had some students, yeah, come to me and say, uh, uh, I want to pick your brain. And I'm like, okay, that's why I have a brain, but you know, what do you want, you know? And this one, this one brother, very talented brother. When I first, my first year here, young, young, really gifted, talented brother. He sat down with me and Jason Deli, and he said, uh, I want to be Denzel Washington. I said, no, you don't. I said, there are days when Denzel don't want to be Denzel Washington. So let's, let's back up a little bit. How about starting with trying to be the best you that you can be? Because you don't know Denzel's story. You know, you don't know what it cost him to get to where he is. You, you know what I'm saying? All you see is the results. And all I hear you saying is you want to make a lot of money. You know, and that's an objective, but you can do that selling drugs. You know, I, it's, it's, it's about why you do things. You know, it's those kind of things that I like to talk to people about. Things done for the right reason are going to pay off tenfold. You know, I, it's, I, I do believe that. I do believe that. But you can be a flash in the pan, make a quick $100,000 this year, and then people will be wondering who the hell you are in five years, if you know what I mean. And when you get into this business, you're, you're, you're competing against people who have degrees. You're competing against people who have studied this craft. You're competing against people who are in this for a whole different reason. If you know what I mean, and 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 not just for the results. 
because there's more to a play than just what you see opening night. There've been four weeks of rehearsal, eight hours a day that went into making that happen. And you can't just bypass that aspect of it and only go, <laughs> go straight to, to what you think looks great and glamour and the lights and money and stuff like that. You know, so it's, it's opening, being able to, you know, not every professor at this university or any university has had the kind of professional experience that I've had, if you know what I mean. That's, that's, that's walk the walk, you know, as well as talk the talk. Um, um, uh, you know, so I bring a different level of experience, a different perspective on the professional world that, you know, I'm an old high school coach too. When I taught high school, I, I was a coach too. I was a tennis coach and basketball coach, football coach, and I did pretty much everything but drive the bus. But, uh, you know, I come from that too. And I come from that work ethic. They says, you know, I laugh and joke, but I don't play. This is serious to me. And if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I um I completely agree. I um I I, I come from a background of uh well I was I was in band a lot of high school, and um it's kind of like that work ethic that you were talking about. And uh, in college, I've noticed that a lot of people don't have that. And um, you've spoken in a previous um in a in, in something prior a different podcast about uh people you know didn't show up on time and you know they, that, they were done and then you know they had to learn the hard way and you know and i think um coming from that type of background where it's like organizational discipline taking pride in what you do be on time work for the betterment of the group i think that, that that's really powerful and um i think you're also very correct in that, um, you know, you have to try and be the best you you can be. That's something my uh, mother has told me my whole life. And um, hearing you say it, I, I have a deeper level of understanding in that, what that means. Because I, uh, I, and I also understand what you're saying in that, you know, it's easy to look at the results and forget about the struggle. And, you know, you have to be in it for the right reasons. So um, you've definitely changed my perspective in that way. And, uh, you know, I have a definitely a deeper level of understanding than I did beforehand. So I'm, I'm thankful about that. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I was, I was very deep. I was really, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, man, I, 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 I go deep. I ain't scared, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because why not, you know? If I can make you a bigger person, which I might have just done, that's then you know, I pat myself on the back or whatever. I, I, as on a teaching tip, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. I really, really am. I come from teachers, and I, I think in terms of you probably heard me say this before too, in terms of why we're here, as as human beings, I think our job, you know, the the Bible says uh, we're here to bear witness. Somewhere it says that, I don't know where. But I take that a step further. It's not just to bear witness, but to share the witness that we bear. I mean, I, I jokingly say, you know, what if the guy who discovered fire kept it to himself? We'd be some cold folks up in here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we've, that's how mankind has, has progressed, by, by sharing what he's learned or she's learned and then adding to it and then sharing that. So that body of knowledge has grown because of teaching. If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ was known as rabbi, which is what? Teacher. 
uh, it's our responsibility to teach our students, to teach our children, you know, and children teach their parents too, you know, that, that, that kind of, those six changes continue to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm a teacher at heart. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, somebody once said the last dictators on earth are college professors. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, also wanted to get your perspective on this um, last thing. So as someone who's had such a long career, you know, over, over 50 years, 40 years in the business and doing so many productions, how have things changed from your perspective? And I believe you've, you've stated when you started your career in acting, you know, you would do roles for, you know, you know, thug number one, you know, gang, gangbuster three or n nameless characters. And now seeing uh, a lot more diversity and companies push for diversity in productions. How would you say things have changed from your point of view and your career for um, minorities and specifically black and Latino um, playwrights, actors and, and talented individuals? We're in, the, we're in the game now, man. I work for the for, uh, a prime example is my roommate from college, a guy named Thomas Carter, who uh, was on The White Shadow, you know, and I worked with him on The White Shadow. There are people I worked with like Kevin Hooks on The White Shadow. Those guys, they didn't just act in those TV series. They learned directing. They started directing other TV series. A bunch of guys like myself also started writing, writing TV series. So we're leaving a footprint in this business. And it's that authoritative footprint, if you know what I mean. And as things are changing, you look at what Regina, Regina, uh, Regina. King. King, yeah, thank you. Have you seen Night in Miami? I have not. Whoa, don't miss it. That woman, I remember when she was a little girl on room two, on two, 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 seven or whatever it was, that TV series that she was on. But now she's the hottest directing item that's happening in, in, in Los Angeles. And she's telling black stories, man, the Watchmen, you know, uh, and, and she's producing. And so that's the kind of shit that I'm watching happen in this business that's taken, that's given a whole new value to our stories, if you know what I mean, as, as, as things change. Uh, 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 yeah, that's, that's what I, Denzel is another prime example. I mean, we all kind of knew way back then that we couldn't just be actors as black actors, you know, cause actors are the last ones hired and the first ones let go when things are done. And, and, and I realized that it's also about ownership, man, in this business, you know, because the plays that I, that I have written have value. When somebody does my play in London, Germany, South Africa, wherever, they got to send me some money. I own that. That's intellectual property. But now, you know, this acting stuff, a lot of times you go do a play, <laughs> they do that play forever, but you don't get any more money from it, if you know what I mean. As an actor, if I wrote the play, then, then yes, that's, that's, that's the whole nother story. So ownership of intellectual property, I, I always saw as a way of, of assuring longevity in this business a way of keeping some money coming in, like that old lady told me back in the day. Uh, uh, different streams of income, you know, uh, residual checks. Man, I've worked in just probably just shy of 300 different movies and TV shows uh, over the years. And, you know, residuals come for those things, you know. <laughs> you know, so it's a whole different stream of income that exists with those, with those, with past things that I've done. Um, in terms of having value. So we're in the game now, I guess is what I see in terms of how things have progressed, the types of roles 
have become more culturally specific, or they are other roles, roles that are not culturally specific has, have been opened up for us, where we would never have been, have, have been considered for them, if you know what I mean. I, I, I get auditions now, Zach Scott and, and other places to play roles that are traditionally written as white. So those kinds of changes I do see happening, but it ain't over yet, man. Just there's, there's still there's still inklings of old school stuff that's out there. If you know what I mean. I mean, just look at the raid on the Capitol. Just look at just look at just look at white supremacists and white nationalists in America that will do everything they have they can to to perpetuate the lie. And I ain't talking about just the election but that lie of white supremacy, that they're better than anybody else, that they're going to live and die by that, you know? So that impacts everything else, if you know what I mean. That's, and that's it's 70, what, 75 million of them? You know, that ain't a number to be shaking your head at. You know what I'm <laughs> it's, that's, that's, they don't care about us. That, that's, that's very clear. And so, you know, there's still that pushback that's happening. Um, but you know, it may be too late. It's too little too late. They're scared to death. They're about to be outnumbered, you know, and they're scared to death that they're going to be treated as a minority the way they treated minorities when they were the majority. That's, you know, and fear is a motivating motherfucker, if you know what I mean. And, uh, but, you know, this ball, this ball is rolling downhill now. And what would you uh, say to a, um, to uh, young black artists who are watching and who would like to have a career as successful and as long as yours? Um, don't be scared. I think that's the best advice I can give anybody. Don't be scared. You know, it's yours. Claim it. You know, because I think I see a lot of actors who graduate from this theater department, you know, that are talented. Then they go back to Houston or they go back to El Paso and they get a job working in Costco, you know, you know, and they got to pay rent and they pay the rent and they never get back to what that, what that dream was, you know, cause they're scared. They're scared they're not going to make it, you know, you don't go to, they, they're like, oh man, I want to go to New York or I want to go to LA and, 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 you know, I hear them say, try to make it and see that that's, it's subtle. But when you say, I want to go try to make it, it's different than when you say, I'm going out there and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing this. I'm gonna make it. It's a subtle perspective. But if, if you're clinging on trying to make it, then no, 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 no. Let's 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 get on top of that. Let's go beyond that. Let's go out there determined, you know, to succeed, to do whatever it takes to succeed. You know what I'm saying? And to not abandon a dream. You know, that's 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 that happens for to far too many people. But you know, it's kind of like culling the herd. If you've heard that expression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It ain't for everybody. If you know what I mean? Just because you want it don't mean it's yours. Uh, and it ain't yours just because you want it. It's, uh, it involves, it does, it does take some work and investment of time, work. And I always throw this in too, man. You know, I was in New York one time, you know, in between gigs. I never went more than three months without a job in New York, which is, you know, that's rare. That's rare. That 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 didn't. That, that, I mean, I know people that it happened with other than myself, but I was fortunate. I was also good. Uh, uh, what was I gonna say? But uh, that's what happened. 
I called my dad up, you know, and I was crying. <laughs> you know, the rent was due. They were going to turn my phone off, you know, and it's, you know, I ain't had a job in two months and da da da. And unemployment, you know, unemployment ain't there's never enough money or whatever. And uh, he said, man, what the hell are you crying for? He said, you ain't going to starve. You fed too many people. I said, you smile. Because that's the same thing I did. He just brought me back, man. My, you know, my father, my father had an eighth grade education. And his mother was the teacher in the colored school down in East Texas. So that, you know, he, he didn't come from no college degree. He didn't come. He, he came straight to the bone. He got straight to the bone. You ain't going to starve. So what the hell are you worried about? You, you know, and he reminded me, you fed too many people. Ain't nobody in the world going to let you starve. And when you can shove off fears, stick your chest out, and, and, and go on with your life, if you know what I mean, and find some new challenge to, to rise above, it's, uh, that's, that's when I call people like my dad the wind between my wings. Shit that kept me up, if you know what I mean. Because they're going to be lining up out there to knock your ass down. There's a line of people waiting, some of them with weapons and things to knock you down. And, you know, it's the preparation that you bring into that that I think makes a difference for a lot of people. I hope that made sense. It made it made a, an abundance of sense. And uh, I'm really grateful to have you on, Mr. Lee. Um, this has been a pleasure. Yeah. This has been a pleasure um, hearing about your career and your opportunities. I've, I've just I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I'm really thankful. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, is there anything that you would like to um, announce that's coming up soon or any works that you have um, going on? I know middle of pandemic, but uh, if, any, if there's anything you would like to plug, you know, we could get a link or. Well, yeah, it's down the road a piece, but I, I'm just pulling together. One of my plays is uh, it was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize back in 1980. Yeah, and it was done in we did it first in Los Angeles. Uh, it was, it's been done, it's published by Samuel French. It was done in New York at the, at the public theater. Uh, it, it won the Adelco Best New Play Award in New York off Broadway. It was done in London, the Royal Court. It's done somewhere all over America, you know, since then, every year. Uh, it's a really popular and, and, and well-received play. But I'm just making, closing the deals now to bring some partners of mine on board and we're gonna make the movie version of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's what's it uh what's it called? It's called East Texas Hot Links. Look it up. East Texas Hot Links. I sure will. I'm uh I'm looking forward to that. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's a good little play. I got Samuel L. Jackson on board as executive producer. He's gonna actually do one of the roles. Kenny Leon is gonna direct. I'm gonna do one of the roles. We got Wendell Pierce to do one of the roles. We got a guy named Keith David who's coming on to do one of the roles. And we're in the process of pulling together the cast right now and we'll find some funding. And uh, one, when it, probably a year, uh, Sam and I are supposed to do a play on Broadway. Sam, Sam's supposed to do a play on Broadway, and I hope I'm in it, uh, which is like a year from now. And we may find that his wife is going to direct, and we may find a moment after that in the spring of next year to, to take the three weeks to shoot this movie. Okay. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Yeah. I, I sure will. I sure will. I'm happy I, I got to hear about it first. I got to hear about it. I got to hear about it early. Um, oh, an American Son, man! I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. I have not. I have not. I will. Um, I will watch it most definitely. 
Change your life. Change your life. Kerry Washington, you know who that is? Yes. From Scandal, mm -hmm. and myself, and Jeremy Jordan, and Stephen Pasquale, four of us. We did the play on Broadway. Kenny Leon directed it, and we made the movie for Netflix. But it's it's a really important film for about about a black mother, Carrie, who's in the Miami, Florida police department at headquarters at three o'clock in the morning, trying to find out what happened with her son who was stopped by the police last night. Her 18 year old son. And that's all I'll tell you, but you gotta watch the movie. I promise I will. I'll let you know what I think about it. I'll text I, you. No, I know you will. If you watch this movie, we were nominated for an Emmy. It's, it's, really, it's really an important film, man. It, I, 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 I'm so proud to have been a part of that. I, I, I can't say it enough. So that's the last uh, shameless self-plug I'll make. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, um, thank you so much for your time. I had, a, um, I had a blast just being able to listen and um, heed your wisdom. So uh, I'm very grateful. Um, thank you. Can I ask you something, man? Yes. And can I say something? Where are you from? I am originally from New York, uh, upstate okay. New York, and uh, I've been in Texas 10 years. My uh, parents got divorced, so okay. I've, been, I've been here for 10 years. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, let me just say, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your maturity. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate how sharp you are. I, I, I appreciate every, everything you've brought to this occasion, because I've been interviewed by a couple of other people with this university start place, and it was oftentimes a disappointment. Oh, thank you. Thank you so no, much. No, it really was, man. And I do appreciate, I, 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 I appreciate that you're a brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate your intelligence, your perception. I appreciate you. I thank you, man. This was good. This was good. It was good for me. It was good for you. It was good for me too. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you so much. That's, um, it's one of the best compliments I've ever received and I'll never forget it. Thank you I, so much. I mean it, man. And you know, Anything you need other than money, call. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, I'm going to end, end it now. Thank you so much for watching the Star Sit Down. Um, be sure to follow our Instagram at Star Podcasting. I'll see you next Friday. Bye. Peace out.